Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion, and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Marty, pastor to the Grace Adventist Centre, and Sterling Seventh-day Adventist Church is right here in Adelaide. And I'm joined by Pastor David. And Pastor David, for those who may not know, is actually the leader of the South Australian Conference of Seventh-day Adventist Churches. Welcome to you, Pastor David. Good afternoon, Marty, and hello, listeners. It's wonderful to be uh, back on air, Marty, and um, again without Pastor Gary. Pastor Gary is—he's um, tied up today, so uh, yeah. He he asked if I could uh, step in, and I was more than glad to do so, and to be able to share together again today, Pastor David, is something I'm I'm excited about, and and today again we are looking at radical teachings in the parables of Jesus. And so we're going to be continuing this theme of looking at the most remarkable lessons that have ever been taught, really. Uh, these incredible illustrations that's sp- spoken 2,000 years ago, and yet they have relevance. They have remarkable relevance for, for our lives today. Before we do that, I, I want to share something that I've... Um, Come across, uh, it's, it was, uh, from, uh, Nine News and it's an article that, uh, has the heading, Kids on Drugs for Mental Disorders Doubles in Decade Concerning Study Finds. And I just want to read you a few quotes from this, uh, from this particular article. And then, um, I want to throw a few questions to you, Pastor David, and, and let's unpack this whole issue of, of mental health being on the rise and, and how do we really, what can we do to, to address it? Well, uh, the number of, this is a quoting from the article, the number of Australian children on antidepressants, sedatives, and other drugs to manage mental disorders has skyrocketed in the last decade, according to a new study, which also questions if doctors should be prescribing those pharmaceuticals at such elevated rates. Monash University researchers found the prevalence of dispensing psychotropics for children and adolescents aged 18 years and younger was twice as high in 2021 than in 2013. And girls aged 13 to 18 showed the most dramatic increase. Psychotropic pharmaceuticals are typically prescribed to kids with disorders like schizophrenia, ADHD, autism, depression, and anxiety. Associate Professor Luke Grishkowalki. Sorry, I'm going to mess that that up. That was well done. Uh, Professor Luke, we will call him, said one of the key trends the study exposed was the number of children being prescribed uh, uh, psychotropics for the first time and the length of time kids were staying on those drugs after beginning treatment. Goes on to say, he said that the study should prompt further research to truly assess the appropriateness of prescribing these drugs and to ensure that medicines are not being used as alternatives to psychotherapy or other mental health support services. According to research, the prevalence of mental health issues in young people is on the rise, as is the prescribing of medicines to support management of those conditions. 
Now, complicating the overall picture, said uh, Associate Professor Luke, is Australia's overstretched healthcare system. Doctors are now over, so overburdened that their ability to closely monitor youth and their suitability to remain on psychotropic pharmaceuticals is diminished, he feared. In seeking to explain the increased rate of prescription for girls over boys, uh, Dr. Dr. Luke said deeper research was needed, but the corrosive impact of social media and the differences in health-seeking behaviours between the sexes were all were possible factors as well. Now, there's a lot in this, and, you know, I think when it comes to this kind of a, a discussion, you know, there's definitely... Pastor David, there's there's no one size that fits all. You know, this is obviously this is very personal, and and parents and individuals need to make their own decisions when it comes to these things. And certainly, um, certainly there is a big place for medications. Certainly, and I don't think the article is denying that. I think it's they're simply asking the question: um, Are we? You know, it's pretty much asking the question: Where's the balance? Where's the balance? And and so I want to throw that question to you, Pastor David. You know, what is where? What is the place of medications, and and then what is also the place of lifestyle intervention when it comes to um, mental health disorders? You're throwing me a hot potato here. This is uh, like a hand grenade, correct? <laughs> um, look, I would like to say there's no one size that fits all. Um, every circumstance every individual there would no doubt be um, different scenarios and different factors and then potentially um, often different treatments uh, I, I do believe environment at times is a key and is, is, is a factor mm. I should say in, in some of these sorts of things uh, obviously there are um, genetics potentially as well um, and, and there is no doubt that in the media um, uh, and in research, uh, numbers are increasing in diagnoses. Uh, some of that, I think, is because our methods of diagnosing and our equipment and our research has improved. So we're probably researchers and, and medical professionals are picking conditions up uh, now with the equipment and the research, etc., that they have that in years gone by might have gone undiagnosed. The pandemic was certainly a factor. Yeah. Um, you know, I've listened to numerous reports where people say that, um, you know, for counsellors and psychologists and psychiatrists, all these sorts of people that are working in that uh, well-being space, emotional well-being space, are overworked. Yeah, yeah. Um, so is there also a problem with society? I think that is also a factor, uh, potentially a contributing factor. So, uh, like you've said, um, there is certainly a place for medication and uh, prescribed medication uh, for for conditions, and we're by no means suggesting that is not the case. But uh, there are also, at times, some other contributing factors, like this uh, journalist has suggested. He's talked about social media. Yeah. And, um, you know, some of the reading um, that uh, I've done uh, online about these sorts of things, not not recently, but in, in the last few months, is that social media, um, just one element, I guess, social media 
actually can negatively impact people already experiencing some of these anxieties or disorders mm. or, or conditions. Mm. Um, things such as Instagram or Pinterest and some of these sorts of things mm-hmm. actually uh, depression rates, some of those sorts of things I've read have actually increased in young people because they're seeing idealised and perfect environments mm. and mm. people and situations or they're waiting to see how many likes they get to a post mm-hmm. and if they don't get, if they get less than what they'd anticipated or less than the next person, it creates this uh, addiction but also creates increased levels of anxiety of, of not feeling worthy or competent or not fitting in with the ideal mould. Mm, so mm. social media clearly has a part to play in some of these cases. It may not be the single contributing factor, but it certainly has a part to play. So what yeah. does your question was, what does um, alternative or complementary approaches or natural approaches, what does that have to do? I'd like to throw that back to you because I know you're keen on health. Well, you know, I I definitely have an interest in health, Pastor David. I think you've articulated it very, very well that that, uh, there is certainly a number of factors that can contribute to mental health issues. And um, I think of the work done by Dr. Neil Nedley, and, and of course, he's a world-leading expert. And and I'd just uh, shout out to any of our listeners today to go and check out Dr. Neil Nedley. If if you know of someone who's going through depression or anxiety, Dr. Neil's Nedley, not Dr. Neil Nedley's work is second to none. Um, he identifies ten. Uh, what he calls hits that, uh, particularly to do with depression, but also, yeah, anxiety, 10 hits that a person can have, um, that will actually lead to d- depression or anxiety. And only two of those hits are actually things out of our control, which is our genetics and our upbringing. The other eight areas actually have to do with our lifestyle. It covers things like exercise, nutrition, um, addictive behaviors, uh, you know, grief and how we've, we've coped with that, um, different things that can impact the frontal lobe of the brain. And so, 80%, in other words, 80, a huge percentage of our mental health is definitely within the realm of, um, of, 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 uh, you know, lifestyle intervention can make a huge difference. Now, he also doesn't discount the use of medications. No. He actually, um, he actually encourages it for a number of patients. And, um, but he also encourages people to, to, I suppose, monitor, monitor things. Don't just treat the symptoms, but actually try and get to the root cause of what is causing the issue. And I think, you know, you know, I, I'm a young person. I certainly have no, yeah, I, I'm not going to be giving advice on, on this, you know, at a, at a professional level. So I would, you know, recommend people to go and talk to a professional if, if this is a, if this is a real concern. But I think just generally, generally speaking, um, to, you know, to, to try and create an environment that is, uh, you know that that is uplifting things like spending more time in nature i one of the um 
one of the courses I'm doing at the moment, lifestyle in lifestyle medicine, there's a there's a statement. It it says blue and green should often be seen. Now that's not talking about what you wear, what you wear because blue and green should not be seen when, when you wear. But what it's talking about is getting out in nature. The blue of the sky, the green of the grass and the trees, um, allowing the natural light to actually, you know, to actually be seen and experienced and felt on your body. You know, there's this thing called nature deficit disorder. And I think that there's a lot of increasing amount of people and particularly young people who are suffering from these kinds of things where they're just not getting out in a natural environment enough. They're spending a lot of time indoors. And like you're saying, if they're on a phone or on a device of some description, that can actually amplify some of the, um, some of the mental health challenges. Yeah. And I think you've hit the nail on the head. It- with some of the factors that we can help alleviate, you know, exercise, diet is a factor, getting in out in nature. A lot of young people, a lot of people full stop, right? But young people often are sitting behind a screen when they get home from school. Um, often the rooms are dark. Mm. And I, something I've always personally um, disliked strongly is is being in a dark room when it's daylight. I like to have. I mean, if I'm sitting in front of a computer screen, I want to don't want light glaring in on it, right? But I don't like being in a dark room. I like to have light. Why? Because it makes me feel better. Yeah. So how much even more better is it to be outside? What about getting fresh air um, and, and exercise? We know that when that happens, the endorphins in our body in our, in our are released and we feel good. So exercise is is something that's beneficial for people that may be struggling with some of these sorts of things. Another one is is the music we listen to. Yeah. Now, um, and I've heard Neil Nedley talk on this. And in, uh, incidentally, if you want to know more about what is called the Depression and Anxiety Recovery Program, Depression and Anxiety Recovery Program, DARP for short, D-A-R-P, if you typed DARP, D-A-R-P, into the internet uh, course, or you can look up Nedley, N-E-D-L-E-Y, NedleyHealthOnline.com. They have curriculum online. Uh, there are resources there. And... Um, we're living in a world where this is prevalent, right? So yeah. getting back to, to what we listen to, uh, there's a reason why when you walk into a department store or, or a sports store or a clothing store that they have music on. You know, very rarely do you walk into a shop and it's completely silent. And there's a reason why certain sorts of music are played. There's a reason why in cinemas, in movies, that at some key point, it might be a suspense part of a movie, that there is a particular sort of uh, music played or the rhythm or the beat or, or how it just escalates, right? And, um, yeah, there has certainly been research done where classical music can help um, uh, help in these situations as well. So what are we listening to? What are we filling our brains mm. with? Um and and the Bible talks about you know whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever mm-hmm. whatever is mm-hmm. lovely, etc. Think on these things. Yeah. Sometimes um, negative thoughts generate negative thoughts, and when we're viewing or listening or engaged in negative activities, that's not going to help alleviate anything either. Yeah, exactly, Pastor David. It makes me think of um, Professor Darren Morton's. I, I guess his line: "Feelings follow your focus." And so if you are, if you are absorbing a particular type of, um, 
media or material, that is definitely going to have an impact on your mind. If you're engaging in very positive, uplifting um, activities, you're listening to to classical music, and and you know there's plenty of varieties of classical music out there. You know, if you don't like, or maybe Bo- if you don't like FM. Mozart, you can always check out Beethoven. Yeah. <laughs> or listen to Faith FM. Faith FM. Yeah, we've got some excellent music here, and you know these are these are things. And the other thing is, I think, just a really good social support system. You know, the, there's increasing amount of research showing the our need actually that humanity is designed for love. We've been, it's, it, we are literally wired for love. Things that promote love and intimacy and closeness, they all promote our health. Things that, that uh, do the opposite to that actually destroy our health. Isolation. And, and you think how our, our society, our culture is being fragmented. Um, you know, we've had pandemics, we've had lockdowns, we've had, uh, you know, when I was a kid, we'd play on the street, you know. Now people drive into a garage, we have a remote control, they don't even have to get out of their car, just shut their gates, lift their garage. Even in my home, right, we've got an mm. electric sliding gate. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to get out. of. And so people leave early in the morning, they get back in the evening, and mm-hmm. um, we've got some really good neighbours we, we get on along well with, right. But in times gone by... There was the street interaction out on the street, mm. the local mm. street. That's all changed. Yeah, exactly. And as our relationships are, um, you know, become, you know, come become shifted to an online platform, there's something that 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 just doesn't work with that. And it's it's not the number of relationships; it's actually the quality that is the most important factor when it comes to our health and when it comes to mental health, depression, anxiety, some of these other challenges. You know, I mean, the, I, I heard a, an alarming statistic actually, Pastor David, that said that the average father. Now, this I think was an American study, but it was I, I think it was something along the lines of the average American father will spend more time watching television. By far, than uh, than he'll spend with his with with his children, and I actually think that the statistic is like, you know, it, a lot more time watching watching television than they will spend with with their with their children, and so when you've got this kind of a dynamic where, um, you know, there's so much pressure on us to perform, to earn, to, uh, you know, to study. To fit in to, with. Yeah, to fit in, to, to have all the, you know, to, to do everything that we're kind of expected to do as a society. Often one of the things that, uh, that, that, is, um, that is affected is our relationships. And I believe that uh, certainly if, if, if as um, families, if as individuals we're able to do more in the space of, um, you know, lifestyle interventions, uh, more in the space of relationships, I think that uh, we'll see a corresponding improvement in, in mental health. I, I also want to just quickly throw this one to you. I know time is starting to move on, but what about a relationship with God? Look, ab- absolutely. Um, I think Christianity, even though it's being pushed out of pu- the public space, people are looking for hope. They're looking for reassurance. They're looking for comfort. They're looking for community. Mm. Um, so the Christian church is theoretically very well placed with the Word of God, with the 
the way church works, perhaps even, mm-hmm. uh, is very well placed in a world that's crying out for relationship, that's yeah. crying out for community, mm-hmm. uh, that's crying out for support. So as Christians, we have a huge responsibility to to be that. Now, Christians mm. can be beset mm. by some of these challenges as well. Just being a Christian Absolutely. doesn't That's detract right. from that. That's right. So I think, yeah, personally, I know, and, you know, I've gone through uh, grief uh, just recently, the last number of weeks, with the loss of my mum. Uh, yeah. um, yeah. But it brings hope. Having having a relationship with Jesus brings out hope of seeing loved ones again. That's through death, right? But it also mm. gives us strength to continue on um, as, as a parent or as a sibling or as a friend with people that might be struggling with some of these challenges in life. So I think, Marty, what we're saying is is that things such as depression, anxiety, autism, ADHD, um, a lot of these sorts of things, they are real things. Absolutely. Um, what you've shared too with Dr. Neil Nedley with the Depression and Recovery uh, Program uh is that there are some factors often that we can um, either help alleviate, we can help alleviate by changing certain lifestyle principles, mm. or we can lessen the impact of some of these things, and we can help improve. Now, that's not the case in every situation, right? And yep. there certainly is that's a case right. for for modern medicine and also for medication. Absolutely. We're not suggesting that's not the case, but there are some things, exercise, you know, um, drinking lots of water, good diet, um, fresh air, getting out, as you said, into the blues and the greens, focusing mm. on those, out into mm. nature, um, what we listen to, uh, the limitation of social media, like limiting um, social media. All of these things are factors that would benefit uh, many people, not just with some of these challenges and conditions, but also for those of us that may not be experiencing those things. Yeah, exactly. It will optimise your mental health if you were to apply these principles. And, and, and coming back to that, you know, a relationship with God, you know, there was a secular psychologist who was asked about the issue of a lot of um, the party scene that was happening in in Melbourne, and that uh, you know s- some some of the authorities and police, etc., were feeling like things were just getting a bit out of hand. And this secular psychologist, his comment was, "There's a hole in their soul." In other words, there's no underlying purpose that that they ha- that a lot of young people have, and. With society pushing back on Christi- Christianity, I, this is creating a vacuum in many people's hearts and their experiences. If, if um, faith in schools and these types of issues, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to me, you know, because we're, we're our family, we've got um, our daughter going into s- school next year. That's that's the plan. And it's interesting as we've kind of looked around a little bit and we've looked online at some of the comments that some parents make regarding Christian schools. And it's fascinating that there's this common trend where there's many parents who would like to send their kids to Christian schools, but they don't want... They're really, really nervous about Christianity being sort of pushed on their on their kids. They want the Christian values. They want the Christian, um, yeah, the values, perhaps even the lifestyle, but they don't want Jesus. Mm. And I think this is the challenge. You know, there's a there's a wise saying that said, "When I looked to Christ, the dove of peace flew into my heart, but when I looked to the dove, it flew away." 
In other words, if you just want the peace and you just want the comfort and the benefits without a relationship with God, it actually doesn't work that way. You know, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He says, you know, if you... um the peace that I can give you is not like the peace that the The world world. gives you. And so I I think that if young people were to, you know, absolutely be introduced to a God who loves them, introduced to a God who has a plan for their life, that their life is significant, you know, that that uh, the idea of evolution and that we've just evolved from from um, from some primeval slime and that our life really has no meaning or purpose, if that idea was actually challenged more with the biblical truth that we have been fashioned and molded by a God who actually who who cares about us so much, I, I believe this has tremendous power to to have an impact in people's uh, mental health. Maybe just a couple of verses, and, and we probably need to move on then. But uh, Philippians four six and seven, uh, the apostle Paul's in prison, and uh, he will be beheaded. Um, he's in a dark prison cell, and he says, pens these words: "Be anxious for nothing." We live in a world of anxiousness, don't we? Mm. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. We don't thank enough. That's another thing. Gratitude. Mm. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And listen to this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So Paul says, bring everything to God in prayer. Yeah. Don't spend time continually revving yourself up or focusing on your anxiousness or your fears, but take your requests to God in prayer and we will receive the peace of God, he says. But then in verse 9, he says, The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul says we will receive the peace of God Mm. from the God of peace. Mm. I love that. And one thing we're all craving is peace in our hearts, peace in our soul, peace in our lives, peace in the world. Yeah, absolutely, Pastor David. We are going to come to some music, and I uh, I, I pray that those words will just, uh, just meditate on those words and enjoy this powerful song.
That was No More Night by the Heritage Singers. And uh, welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastors Marty and David. And this week we're following the theme, The Radical Teachings in the Parables of Jesus. Now, we don't actually have a specific giveaway for this week, but what we do have is we have a, a, a Faith FM competition, I suppose, going, where you can actually go online to FaithFM. Uh, .com.au and you can actually register to get some Faith FM merchandise. Now, the way that you can do this, there's various ways that you can earn points to, uh, to go into the running to actually get some Faith FM merchandise, such as a Faith FM jacket, Faith FM hat, and Faith FM mug, etc. There's plenty of freebies that are going to be given away. And, um, and once you get one of those freebies, you, you'll become, um, free advertising for Faith FM. <laughs> you can go around, you can share, you can wear your jacket in the in the winter and, and encourage people because there's a lot of people who don't know about Faith FM, this uh, fant- fantastic uh, uh, radio and, and some fantastic content. So there's a few ways that you can earn points. It's by listening to all the live programs and you'll get secret codes. So the secret code actually for our program today is the word SOUTH. So if you just jot that down, secret code for Faith FM Drive Time, South, just just uh, South, as in South Australia, and um, there's some other ways as well. You can uh, you can t- you can go online. You can tell us what you like about Faith FM. You can sign up for the E Magazine or newsletter, and you can also download the Faith FM app on your phone and these are some ways that you can earn a few points towards getting some faith fm merchandise pastor david we are we've got our bibles open we're going to be looking at the parable to the rich and famous it's actually the it's actually the story of the rich young ruler it's a true story that that took place and then jesus kind of unpacks this with his disciples and and um what is your yeah, what's your take on this story of the rich young ruler? Yeah, look, this is a really powerful story and um, I guess speaks to us in our generation. And, and Jesus actually said quite a bit about riches, didn't he? Quite more than, a lot more about than money. heaven and hell combined, he talked about he riches. Which says something because you look at the entertainment world, you look at the media, um, and largely in the entertainment world, they're pushing the same sort of thing. You you need to be wealthy to be successful. You've got to have everything. And so Jesus is speaking to something that's really pertinent in our day. And this particular story, Marty, is told in the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Mark, Matthew chapter 19, Mark chapter 10, and then in Luke chapter 18. Mm. And, um, you know, there's some subtle um, inclusions in, in these different accounts. But I'm wondering whether we can take a look at this from uh, initially from the Gospel of Matthew. Mm-hmm. And it's it's. Matthew Matthew 19, and um, uh, we begin with verse 16, and maybe we'll read the story and then unpack it a bit, I think. It says, Now behold, one came to him, that's Jesus, and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
The young man said to him, All these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, in other words, another word for perfect there is complete. Mm. If you want to be perfect, if you want to be complete, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, this is a challenging story, and it gets even more challenging. And perhaps um, I'll read. Well, let's unpack this part of the story first, I think, before we read a little bit further. So <clears throat> here we have someone that is young, they're rich, and they're living the life that is portrayed on social media, that is portrayed on television, the life that many people want to live. They want to have money. They want to have the comforts of the world. And he's young. He's got age on his side. He's successful. And he's obviously uh, a genuine person. He, he recognizes that Jesus is a special teacher. In fact, the Gospel of Mark tells us in, in the Markan account in Mark chapter 10, it says that he came running to Jesus and he kneels before Jesus. Mm. So mm. he's young, he's respectful, and he says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit or to receive eternal life? Now, this is a bit of an oxymoron, a bit, a bit of a silly question, is it not? This young man has ticked all the boxes that most people in society would want to tick. They've got it all. They're living the life. Mm -hmm. He's young, he's rich, he's famous, he's got a good circle of friends, but he comes running to Jesus. And he asks the most important question that anyone can ask, what do I need to do to receive eternal life? In other words, he's living the life, but it's hollow. Something is missing because he mm. comes to Jesus and says, what do I need to do to receive the ultimate? Mm. Well, most of us would think that what he was living was the ultimate. Mm -hmm. So he has good intentions. He has a good head on his shoulder. He's smart. He's savvy. He's successful. And he says to Jesus, what do I need to do to receive eternal life? What does Jesus tell him? What's his answer from Jesus? Well, he he initially says, you know, why do you call me good? Um, there is only one who that is good, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And so he he points um, he points the the rich young ruler to to the commandments. Um, and what do you think about Jesus's recommendation there? What's that got to do with with entering into eternal life? Well, you know, the Bible is very clear and, and, and Christ is very clear that, that it's, uh, it's actually not our works that save us, but rather it is by grace we are saved through faith. In other words, you know, we cannot earn our salvation. Salvation is a gift that is given by God. It cost Christ his life. Mm. He purchased our salvation with his own life. But when I accept that salvation, how do I, or, or let me put it this way, how can I be sure that I've received that salvation? The evidence of receiving salvation is that we would go on to do good works or that our life 
would now come into harmony with God's will. And, and so hence, I think Jesus is, um, is pointing this young man, I suppose, to the litmus test. He's saying, I like when look you at the commandments and, and the commandments for, uh, you know, if we if we're if we're genuine, if we're sincere, if the Holy Spirit is is has filled our lives, that is going to lead me to a life of obedience. Because the the grace of God, David, it never leads me to disregard God's law. No. The grace of God not. only ever leads me to uphold the law. The love of Christ never leads me to a life of disobedience, but rather to one of obedience. This is this is a very um you know, this is something that is important to highlight because uh, there are there are many preachers, <laughs> you know, across the world that actually deny this very principle, and yet the Bible is so clear on it. And so Jesus asks, uh, you know, points the rich young ruler back to the commandments of God as a as a as a means of a litmus test to test the sincerity of of his faith. It's interesting, you know, just listening to you there. That um, uh, the outflow of our love for Jesus is, I guess, an indicator of whether we are in a relationship with him. We're mm. saved by grace through faith. Uh, Paul in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says that, For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Then he says, which is similar to what you said, in verse 10, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Mm. So I I guess when you love someone, you will um, seek and want to and and just love to, uh, you know, there are certain things my wife appreciates and not appreciates, right, as as every human being does and doesn't. And so I know some of those things and some of them I'm learning, right, and and vice versa. (laughs) But... um, you know, because I love my wife, I, out of a desire of my heart, because I love her and I value and appreciate her, um, I will seek where, where those things, and they don't conflict with the word of God, I will seek to do things that will please her because I love her mm. and because I know she loves me. Yeah. So, so Jesus says to him, you know, keep the commandments and he, he lists a number of them. The young man, um, and and he's kneeling before Jesus. Um, uh, the Mark and account tells us, and so he's he's being he's being um, respectful, mm. and he he says to Jesus, his response is, "All these things, verse twenty, all these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack?" Yeah. In other words. He's grown up in a good family, we could assume. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could even say in our own culture that he is living um, Christian morals. He hasn't committed murder, hasn't committed adultery, he doesn't lie, he has honoured his father and mother, he loves his neighbours, he doesn't steal. He's following Christian principles. He's a yeah. clean living person, so to speak. Mm. But he still senses that there is something still missing. And I want to suggest that probably he's been following the commandments or endeavoring to keep them not based on a love relationship. Mm. You know, sometimes uh, I'm a task-focused person, and um, it's far easier to have a list Mm. and accomplish things and tick things off sometimes than it is to build relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. 
uh, sometimes with a list, there is a sense of accomplishment. Mm. Where is the sense of accomplishment at times in investing time to build relationships? Because it takes time. Mm-hmm. And, and so I want to suggest that this young man is probably trying to um, follow the commandments out of a sense of, uh, of his own sense of duty or a sense of accomplishment when we know that we can't keep the law in and through ourselves. It is only by the grace of Jesus Christ. But he says, all of these things I've kept from my youth, what, have I, what am I still lacking? And yeah. Jesus really hits this young man proverbially between the eyes. What does he say? Yeah, go and, go and sell what you have and give to the poor and you'll have riches in heaven and come follow me. Now, I don't know how many people, I've heard stories of some, but how many people would sell all that they have Distribute it to the poor and s- distribute the proceeds to the poor and then follow Jesus. It's interesting that when Jesus sent his disciples out, he told them not to take a tunic, not to take, just go with their, their sandals and a staff. Mm-hmm. Um, in other words, to trust in the providence of God that when they find it, when they found a home that they were welcome in to mm-hmm. stay there and they would be provided for. It's easy to forget that Jesus cares in Matthew chapter 6 as much for a sparrow that falls, or he cares for a sparrow that falls. He knows how many hairs are on our head, yet he cares for us even more. Mm. We live in a world where we've forgotten or largely forgotten that we have a God who provides for us. Mm. Mm. We think we do through our work. Mm. Jesus is telling this young man, you're rich, you're successful, you're famous. You tick all the boxes that the world seeks to accomplish and to have, and yet you're a hollow person. There is something big that is missing, and you know it. Yeah. And I'm telling you what that is for you, Mr. Rich Young Ruler. Your wealth and your riches are a trap. Yeah. They are the thing that is that is impeding a relationship with God. And so for you, Mr. Rich Young Ruler, for you to enter into eternal life, to receive the gift of eternal life, you need to give away the thing that is holding you back. Yeah. Now, God gives, uh, God blesses people with riches. Not everyone. We're not talking prosperity gospel. But there are some people that are blessed with riches for the use of furthering the work of God. Mm-hmm. There are other people that receive riches which will, uh, it'll be a, a downfall for them. I'm wondering, Marty, whether we should go to a break. Let's go to a break. Back. Let's go to some music, and um, let's continue this uh, this very powerful passage of Scripture. I hope you enjoy this beautiful song, Now is the Day of Salvation. Salvation Today 
You're listening to Faith FM Radio. This is Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Marty and Pastor David. We've been studying today the uh, story of the rich young ruler. And um, Pastor David, uh, we've been looking at the fact that this rich young ruler was certainly a man who had it all together. As far as the world's standards are concerned, he had everything. He had wealth. He had um, youth. He had influence. He was he was well-respected. What more could you want? And yet here he is, and he feels that there is something lacking in, in, his, in his life. In his soul, he feels like there's something lacking. There's an emptiness. There's an emptiness inside, and... and um, and he comes to Jesus, and then Jesus uh, points him to the commandments. And I, th- I think it's interesting when you actually look at the specific commandments that Jesus mentions. He misses. He actually misses a, a particular commandment. He 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 misses the commandment that says, "You shall not covet," which has to do with greed and wealth and and putting uh, material possessions in their right place. Yes. And he also misses off the first four commandments that deal with your relationship with God because the first four commandments and the Ten Commandments deal with your relationship with God. The next commandments, the, the, the next six commandments, really deal with your relationship with, with people and with things. And so Jesus seems to intentionally... Leave off the list. He doesn't mention you shall not covet because this is what I believe. This is the issue that this young man has. He's, he wants, he wants it all. He wants the things of this world and he wants a relationship with God. He's got a foot in both camps to some degree. And Jesus is saying, you've got to pick one or the other. 
You can't serve God and and money. Um, you know, I don't know if you've ever tried standing in two canoes, Pastor David. Uh, I. I've tried similar things. Your legs, uh, your legs don't separate, but the canoes do, and and there's only so far you can stretch your legs. Right. At some point, you're going to have to commit to one, mm. or you're going to fall in the water, and you you know you're going to. And so this is the situation I think that this rich young ruler has come to. He's come to a decision. He's come to the decision where is it going to be God? Am I going to be all in for God? Or am I really going to keep holding on to my earthly possessions, even if it is actually getting between me and God? The one thing he wants is eternal life. And yet in that instant when Jesus says, go sell everything you have, uh, distribute the proceeds to the poor, then come follow me. As he weighs that up, he's weighing up, he's contemplating how much he is going to have to give up. And he, he doesn't have the right value on the eternal life. Mm. And he chooses the things that have still left him with a hollow in his heart. Mm-hmm. And it says he came running in, in the Mark and account. In Mark, he comes running to Jesus. And it's a very sad picture. As he leaves, he leaves sorrowfully. Mm. And it's interesting. In, in Matthew 19, the story continues in verse 23. Then Jesus said to his disciples, uh, Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Mm. And... um yeah, there's probably more to say here, but, but it's interesting. Jesus says it's, it's hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. The rich young ruler is, is case in point. Um, why? Because really he had chosen life on earth, heaven on earth. It was of more value to him than uh, what was not yet tangible mm-hmm. for him. Eternal life. And eternal life starts now, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It, it has various facets. You know, it's interesting, Pastor David. You know, they do those studies with, with, uh, with children where they will put them in the room and they'll have the chocolate or something in front of them and say, Hey, look, if you can wait, um, a certain length of time, if you don't eat the chocolate, you'll either get an additional chocolate or you'll get even some, some, some other toy or something really special. And um, interestingly, this idea of delayed gratification comes into play here, mm. where where the rich young ruler is living for the here and the now rather than living for eternity. He's making a choice that uh, is is based on the here and the now, and it's 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 hard. We have to have faith, you know, to actually look beyond just what. What life presents me right now and what I can have right now compared to what actually can be given in eternity. And Hebrews 11, this faith chapter of these legends of faith, is a case of people looking to the future rather than the here and now that they were experiencing. Uh, it's interesting. Jesus says to this young, uh, to the disciples, and they're shocked with what Jesus says when he says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. What Jesus is really saying here, he's picking one of the largest animals, mm. a camel, and one of the smallest holes. Mm-hmm. And he's really saying it's impossible 
It's impossible for someone who is greedy and selfish and that is wealthy to enter the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now that's right. You can be poor and selfish and not enter the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. But he's saying it's it's impossible if you're wealthy and selfish to enter the kingdom of heaven yeah. because it's impossible for a camel to go through that little hole, that little eye of a needle. Mm-hmm. And it shocked the disciples. They said, um, you know, it, who's it possible for? And Jesus says what's impossible for man is possible with God. Mm. So it's only through the power of the Spirit that that we can achieve this. I want to take us quickly to Luke, uh, Luke chapter nineteen. In Luke chapter eighteen, we have the same story of the rich young ruler. The very next chapter, in chapter nineteen, we have the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a wealthy yet hated tax collector. He is extremely rich. Why? Because not only is he collecting for the Romans, he is putting a cut on top of that. Mm-hmm. He is filthy rich. Yet he too, like the rich young ruler, knows there's something missing in his life. He hears that Jesus is coming, just like the rich young ruler would have. He rushes and he climbs a tree to be at a special vantage point. Jesus invested time in Zacchaeus, just like he did the rich young ruler. Mm. But there was something different about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus knew that his riches weren't going to bring him happiness. Mm. And weren't bringing him happiness. And so Jesus stops beneath that tree and and he says, Zacchaeus calls him by name, get down in a hurry because I'm coming to stay at your house. So Zacchaeus in verse 6 of chapter 19 of Luke gets out of the tree and he... He um, he gets out of the tree. Jesus says, I'm going to stay at your house. So Zacchaeus made haste and came down and received Jesus joyfully. The rich young ruler didn't want to receive Jesus because of the limitations of his own view of what Jesus had mm. to offer. Mm. What he had himself was more important, of more value, he thought, than what Jesus had to offer. And it's interesting, when Zacchaeus receives Jesus into his house... Zacchaeus makes a statement that he wasn't asked to make. That's right. He says uh, in verse 8, Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, 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 I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusations, I will restore it fourfold. And verse 9, And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son Mm. of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Zacchaeus was rich. He was successful, but something was missing. Mm. And it was only when he gave away the things that were restricting him, it was only when he gave away to the poor that he had that full completeness in his life. Why? Because the riches in his life were his God Mm. until he surrendered to God. Mm. There's, There's nothing richer than a contented heart. And Zacchaeus had that because he surrendered all to Jesus. And and that's the experience that we can have. And I'm just wondering, um, I'm just going to offer a prayer, Pastor David, as we come to a close today. Father in heaven, Lord, we just want to thank you so much for the gift of Jesus. We thank you so much for his love, for his sacrifice, for his willingness to leave heaven and to pay the ultimate price on Calvary's cross, Lord. We thank you for what you've done for us in response We recognize that there is only one way to truly respond, and that is to give you our hearts, to give you our all. And today, Father, we pray that you would search our hearts. 
that you would you would search us and see if there's anything between us and you, Lord, and that you would give us the courage to actually make the decision to surrender to you and to follow you, to experience your joy now and eternal life to come. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you, uh, listeners, for, for joining us today on Faith FM. I, I trust you'll have a fantastic rest of the week. May God bless you as you continue to, to walk in the path that God has for you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.